0: Buildings entire and just crushed and
1: crumbled. i'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point i i really need to leave so the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin i i see some people running now In the opinion of this reporter if this
0: nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes that time is now that time is now Another exciting episode of the Fire and Water podcast. The official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the long-lost Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy?
1: Happy to not have to look you in the eye while we're recording.
0: <laughs> that was very disturbing. <laughs> so disturbing. <laughs> Folks, I apologize if you listen to that little uh, not-so-very-special episode. And uh, that's what happens when Rob doesn't edit, and I get two hours of sleep. So I sincerely apologize for that. If
1: I edited it, it would just ruin the whole point of it. So, yeah, no editing on that one.
0: Well, folks, we are going to tackle something today we have been looking forward to for a very long time. Uh, This is sort of a, I guess, not a, it's it's a little thing we're going to do, a segment. (laughs) (laughs) You like that? That's how how, uh, eloquent I am. We're going to do a segment called Whatever Happened To... And we're going to cover the whatever happened to stories from the back of DC Comics Presents. But before we do that, let's go ahead and take a moment to thank our sponsor. Uh, our sponsor is InStock Stock Trades. In Stock Trades is your best source for our trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to forty two percent off with free shipping for orders of fifty dollars or more. Uh, Rob, when you start us off, what you got?
1: Uh, well, uh, like a lot of people, I got Wonder Woman on the mind right now because they released that photo—the first official photo of her, of uh, Gal Gadot in costume from the new movie. Hey.
0: I've always got Wonder Woman on the mind. Yeah. just well, saying.
1: all right. Anyway, uh, so uh, my selection is Michael Fleischer's uh, Encyclopedia of Comic Book Heroes, Volume Two, featuring Wonder Woman. This was originally published in 1976. It's got a new. It's a new edition with a cover by Dick Giordano. Classic Wonder Woman uh, drawing there on the front. Uh, it 's two hundred and seventy two pages black and white in suck trades prices normally 19.99. in suck trades is eleven dollars and fifty nine cents that 's forty two percent off. These are the kind of books that like before the internet, this is what you had to learn about stuff that you wanted to read about and you know yeah the, the information is you know now thirty years out of date, but nevertheless, it is a great compendium of Wonder Woman. From 1940 to 1976, so it's it's a lot of fun. I had these books when I was a kid. So, uh, Volume Two, featuring Wonder Woman, by Michael Fleischer.
0: Let me tell you, those books were like hardcore tomes for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that was their Bible. Yep. So, uh, I could I wanted to do DC Comics Presents because I thought that would work well with this episode. But uh, Volume One's not out there right now in Showcase, so I went a little different direction. Based on the, one of the characters we'll be covering today, I'm recommending JSA Volume One: Justice Be Done Trade Paperback. It's published by uh, obviously DC Comics. You've got <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm reading. You can tell I'm reading down the entries. Sorry. <laughs> published right. by
1: Charlton Comics.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Written by James Robinson and David Goyer. Uh, don't hold that against it. Art by Scott <laughs> Benefel, Stephen Sadowski, a lot of other folks. This is the first time that the JSA was recreated in a modern sense with a new team you know this is when you get at that point jack knight the current starman you get our man you get, which was the robot you get star spangled kid hot girl the new hot girl uh, black canary they all come together to form this new team you get Atom smasher and sand this was the team that eventually jeff johns would come on and write and that's where he sort of earned his legendary status as a writer as well this is your entry point so again jsa volume one justice be done Normally retails for $17.99. You can get it for $10.43, which is 42% off. Heck of a deal. Be sure to pick that one up, folks. And, uh, again, that's instocktrades.com, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off. And if you order $50 or more, you get free shipping, which is always awesome. So, all right. Well, Rob, again, we said we're doing DC Comics Presents. We're doing the backup stories, whatever happened to. We've been talking about doing these Geez, probably since the earliest days of Who's Who. We've been saying we were going to do this. And um, before we go on a little further, I do want to say I was a little nervous because we've been talking about doing it forever. And we finally started. However, in the interim, a new podcast has started. And it's called the DC Comics Presents Show. And it's done by one of our buddies, Russell Bragg. So – This is certainly not meant to ape what he's doing. We're not going to touch the regular DC Comics Presents series. Uh, We just wanted to hit on these uh, whatever happened to stories in the back. So please visit him over at dccpshow.wordpress.com. That's the DC Comics Presents show. Be sure to check it out. And this would be where Rob tells us something interesting. I was waiting
1: for you to throw to me. You just said it. Just that was an end of a sentence. Anyway,
0: yeah, almost a hundred uh, episodes. You can't figure out when to catch the ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was not good at sports as a job. Um, so yeah, we wanted to do this for a while because it feels like for every episode of Who's Who, this series comes up. Uh, you know, every single time we do a Who's Who, we refer to the whatever happened to strip in the back of these comics presents. So at a certain point, Shag and I talked about it, and we're just like, well, why don't we just. Do a thing on these strips because i don 't think anybody's covering them i don 't know if Russell's covering them on his show i don 't think so anyway, in any case he's going he 's not going to get to them for a while because he just basically started and this this um, this strip started two years into the series uh, This was uh, something that came about when d c raised its prices from forty cents to fifty cents, and uh, they wanted part of their ad campaign was like yeah you 're paying more, but you 're getting eight extra pages mm. of of strip so a lot that that would kicked off a lot of backup features and this was the feature that got pushed into dc comics presents it made sense of course because that had rotating characters so why not put this in the back of the book and you know again pre who's who pre-internet this was the way to kind of like dust off these old characters that maybe people had forgotten about so it was like a really neat idea to you know grab somebody out of obscurity and show what they're doing now um the uh, the editor, uh, of course, for DC Comics Presents, as was the editor for all the Superman titles, was Julie Schwartz. The initial writer – yeah, the legendary Julie Schwartz. The initial writer for the first six or seven of these, uh, missing a couple here and there, was Bob Rosakis, long-time DC staffer Bob Rosakis, the answer man. Um, so I uh, actually – I told Bob that we were going to be doing this segment, and I asked him a couple of questions about writing these. So this is what he said. Uh, I asked him, do you know how the idea for Whatever Happens You came about? He said, I'm pretty sure it was Julie's idea. He knew there was a lot of interest in the old characters and thought this would be a great way to bring readers up to date. I'm pretty sure the fact that he had Nelson Bridwell and yours truly working with him had him confident it would work. Uh, Then I said, did you pursue the assignment? You seemed like a great fit with your extensive knowledge of the DCU. You bet I did. As soon as he said he wanted to do it, I said I wanted in. Uh, Who decided what heroes got revisited? Was it the writer, Julie Schwartz, or a combo of the two? Uh, Bob says, Julie and I decided which ones I would do. I think he had Nelson put together a list of possibilities and we went from there. As the series progressed, other writers would come in and ask to do one character or another. And then finally I asked him, Do you have a favorite of the ones you did? And he said, The original airwave, because I got to tie it into the new airwave series I was writing, which was over in action comics. Oh. So yeah, so the thanks Bob. I love having you know, he is the answer man and he always provides answers. So
0: <laughs> How perfect is that? Yep. Well, uh, we're just gonna jump right into the first one, right?
1: Yeah, this is from uh, DC Comics Presents number twenty-five.
0: It has such an awesome cover. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a Superman Phantom Stranger team up, which is a great, awesome cover yep. to start with. But then in the shout-out box in the bottom it says introducing a sensational, sensational series, whatever happened to this issue superhero update. Our man! It's got a little tiny, you know, quarter box almost side uh, or corner box style image of our man, which is very cool. And across the top, eight more thrill-packed pages. You know, needs more explanation. Exclamation! Ex- <clears throat>
1: How many hours ex- sleep are you working on, on this sh- one?
0: Exclamation points. Wow, that's a lot harder to say than I thought it would be. All right. So our backup strip is whatever happened to our man, here's your creative team. Bob Rosakis is your writer. Charles Nicholas is your penciler. Joe Giella is your inker. Ben Oda letterer. Jerry Serpy colorist. Julie Schwartz editor. Answer the question. That's funny with Bob. Uh huh. Answer the question. Whatever. Have an hour, man. Now, quick thoughts here. We already talked about Bob's connection to this. Charles Nicholas is um, his his pedigree in comics goes way, way back to 1939. Wow. And he's been, yeah, and he does not have a lot of work after this. Now, I couldn't find a direct connection to Our Man. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of time to do the research, but I did find he did a lot of issues of Mystery Man comics, which featured a lot of appearances by the Golden Age Green um, Blue Beetle. Now, I don't know. The, the records were a bit sketchy where I was looking, so I don't know if he drew the Blue Beetle strips or some other strips in those books, but uh, he was definitely connected with that series. So. And that explains why this series looks so, not quite Golden Age, but didn't look contemporary by any means. When I, when I started reading this, I'm like, wow, this, this has to be an old school artist, and sure enough, it is. You get a nice opening splash, um, and with a ex- description of the character, chemist Rex TikTok Tyler invented the miracle miracle. Uh, this is not my day. Miracle O <laughs> pill. Which Thank gave
1: God him, this is only eight pages.
0: <laughs> right, gave him for one hour the strength of a giant and leaping ability and the super athlete. Of a super athlete and a body insensible to harm. He's apparently insensible. So, But you get a nice like mini mini splash of our man like, running at the camera. He's lifting a tree. He's punching out a guy. He's jumping. And there's a cool effect of a clock behind him, which looks really nice. It looks
1: like a who's who listing.
0: It, almost, it is almost like a who's who listing, actually. <laughs> That's a good point. So here's the rundown of the story. Basically, it's late at night. Rex Tyler, who's president and CEO of Tyler Chemical, is reading the mail that comes into his office because apparently he feels it's important that the president actually read the, the, the letters from the customers. He gets a threatening letter basically saying that because Rex, uh, because Tyler Chemical is producing TCR113, gonna, somebody's going to take it into their own hands to make sure they stop. Now, I think they're probably confused with the TRS-80 rather than the TCR113. We'll, we'll let him slide this time. So he calls the police inspector, and there's an odd amount of yelling between the two. The number of exclamation points on that page alone um, probably broke the bank on the letterer. So the, the fi- phone line is suddenly cut. There's a, there's a great – he decides he needs to code into action. There's this great expression about – instead of dollars to donuts, he says dollars to DNA, which just <laughs> literally had me on the floor laughing. He goes down to the sub-basement, and we find his – old hour man costume and he is retired at this point so he doesn't go and act to duty so it's been back there for a long time as he puts it on he gets nostalgic we get a one page sort of one panel ish it's not a full page really it's very close to a full page though flashback of the jsa in action you see dr <laughs> fate swinging in like spider-man
1: what the hell is dr fate doing <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's swinging in like spider-man it's hysterical so he comes out of retirement, and he, he's kind of thinking to himself. The reason he went into t- retirement, and I really like this answer better than any others, is basically the world wasn't black and white anymore. He's kind of a black and white guy, and you know, good and right and wrong. And there was too many shades of gray. So he put it, he hung up his cowl. So his strangely shadowed yellow cowl. Um, he has one pill left. That's it. So he, he takes his one pill and turns his hourglass over, which I always thought was just a costume effect. I guess I didn't realize it's an actual. Hourglass he uses to track whether he's, you know, how much longer he has of his pill strength. Never (laughs) Never heard of a watch, Rex. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, in fact, he gets knocked over in this one and suddenly the sand is out of sync. So he's like, "Uh uh-oh. I was thinking, you know, not the best plan. So anyway, he turns the timer over and he finds out there's a break in a Tyler Chemical. And there's this great running clock, you know, timer in the f- panels of each page showing you, like, how much time has elapsed, and which is – I like that a lot. So he comes across these group of saboteurs who have apparently stolen the Challengers of the uni- uh, Unknown uniforms, <laughs> except they're wearing these weird, like, surgical masks with respirators sewn in. I don't get it. They're They're burning all the records about the TRS-80, and this woman is actually using a Bunsen burner, to burn all the paperwork, because apparently in Earth 2, big lighters have not been invented. So our Man decides to mix it up with the saboteurs, lots of punching, and all this has happened, we're only halfway through the story, that's what blew me away, is how much happened in just the first four pages. This is the way to get into a story fast. Bob knew what he was doing, he knew his way around a story, and I was very impressed. So, uh, as Rex is going to punch, one of the saboteurs is a woman, and he says it's his practice never to hit a woman, and so he gets knocked out from behind. When he wakes up, This is a neat little thing. He doesn't know how long he's been unconscious. And the the hourglass got jostled, so he has no idea how much time he has left. In fact, the counter I mentioned to you that shows up on every page now just has question marks. I love that. That's great. And it it keeps going. (laughs) Um, He catches up with the saboteurs. He still won't hit a girl, but he's willing to bump a dude into the girl. just cracked me up. So he's left with one lone saboteur who's got a bomb. He's about to destroy the TRS-80. And uh, if if he does this, it will explode and cause the TRS-80 to spread across the city. So there's a moment of hesitation from the saboteur once he realizes the danger he himself could cause. He knocks him down, pulls apart the bomb, and the saboteur starts crying. (laughs) And Rex is like, they don't make bad guys like they used to. (laughs) And he's thinking, oh, thank goodness my miracle held out. But he realizes actually his power ran out 18 minutes ago. (gasps) So it leaves you wondering as the reader, did his power last longer? Or is he just that much of a hero he powered through a regular strength? You just don't know. But, man, what, eight pages of fun, you don't get bogged down with his origin story, it's not like he's dead either, it, you know, it's whatever happened to you, not how did it end. So, you know, it, it almost implies that there could be more Iron Man stories after this. I enjoyed it, it's a, it's a fun story. Now, just to give you some frame of reference, this uh, its cover date is September 1980, I actually hit the stand, set your Wayback Machines to June 10th, 1980, that's June 10th, 1980, and I feel like the title, whatever happened to Rex, is a, is a little misleading because it implies you haven't seen him in 30 years, which with the next one we'll find out. It's, it's been a while since we've seen that character. Rex has been seen recently in JLA – you know, as far as 1980. He'd been seen in JLA-JSA crossovers. He was in All-Star Comics. He was in Adventure Comics. He hadn't really been missing. You know, he hadn't gone away. And then um, – so it was just kind of strange to, 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 to imply like whatever happened to us if he went away. Then uh, after this, you know, you, All-Star Squadron's about one year away from this, so then Rex will become obviously a big name again. So uh, what do you think of the story?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It is a little bit of a cheat in, in terms of, like, they really aren't digging up an old character. I mean, he had been around. But I think, you know, they were probably just used – they were just getting their feet wet in terms of, like, how to – you know, what this strip actually was. Because later on, they really do a bit – you know, they, they – they, push it a lot harder, the whole whatever happened to and that kind of thing. So, in this this one this is really kind of more just an hour man adventure about a guy who, you know, he'd been out of commission for a little while, but yeah. Um, no, I liked it. I mean, I, I've said before, not a big fan of Joe Gale inks. I feel like, you know, he makes everything kind of look like a coloring book and here, you know, it is a very old style looking thing. Uh, maybe, oh, it, yeah. you know, it fits. Uh, it cracks me up that Rex Tyler on page two. He just looks like Mitt Romney to me. <laughs> like, oh, well, no, I mean, it don't, well, why are you saying it like that? I'm not saying it's an insult. He looks like Mitt Romney. He just he, does. He
0: does. He's like lying. a
1: businessman. I mean, I'm not, again, it's not meant as an insult. It's just, it's too was like, well, this is what it would look like if Mitt Romney was governor of Massachusetts and decided to become a superhero. Um, <laughs> I like his, I like that he keeps his costume in the big vault. Uh, you know that's just sort of funny. He's got this whole big vault just for his costume, just to hang there. You know, yep. like it's the hour cave, but it really is just his costume in a trunk. That's all.
0: Well, there might be though, you know and we don't see the rest of the right, it. I there guess. might be like you know a giant dinosaur and
1: a penny could or something. be something like that. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's funny. I do love the. Um, you know, "quote unquote" happening in real time. Bit. I mean, it is, yeah. it can't really happen because obviously this is a comic book. But anytime they did that in a movie or on a TV show, there's a there's a great episode of Mash that takes place in a half hour, and there's a clock on the screen as it goes by. So that's a nice gag, you know, to kind of do. And then when the when the sand runs out, or when he's realized the sand is is all Liberty Wudget. He, you know, then in the little box, it says question, 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 which yeah. is, that's a nice thing. So, you know, it like Rosakis crams a lot of little fun little bits into this. And then the guy crying at the end is just
0: strange. <laughs> that is
1: hysterical. But, and then he's just standing there, our man is standing there with his hands on his hips, like, ha, ha, ha. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's fun. It's, it's meant to be just eight pages of a fun little adventure of somebody you don't get to see very much. And that's exactly what it is. So it's, it's, yep. uh, it's, you know, it's sort of classic comics.
0: The, something else we forgot to mention—that page with the JSAs saving everybody, and you know, Doctor Fate's doing <laughs> that—he's you know. kicking
1: a guy in the face.
0: But he's swinging in, and it, it looks like a gymnast move. Anyway, what I didn't notice till just now is when they're stopping the car. Yeah, there's, a, there's a the lady baby <laughs> carriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now the only thing missing from this, which would have made this story a triple A plus in my opinion, would be the explanation of how his bright yellow cowl stays black in the front. If anybody could explain that then, you know, that would be the total win. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the lighting,
1: and, man. It's just lighting.
0: Uh-huh. Now, am I wrong? Are those not the challengers of the unknown uniforms? They look
1: very challenger-like.
0: They do. Yeah. They and there's so four amazing. of them. And there's four know, of them. So. And
1: one is a woman. Well, there were four guys and a woman. But Yeah, they borrowed the, the woman. There was that fifth yeah. challenger who was the woman. Uh, so. Yeah. It's it's, it's, a, it's a great, fun little feature. I would have... this. would You could do this today, uh, and I think it would work just as well, because you have all these other characters you could dig up and just, you know, give them eight pages to shine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think they probably, and we'll we'll see a little more with the second one, they probably figured out that using the classic artist may not have been the best way to grab modern day readers' Mm. attention. So, uh, you know, the next artist is is a little more contemporary. But uh, yeah, super fun. So glad we got to do this. Yep.
1: Uh, All right, well, next up is from DC Comics Presents number 26, which, as we all know, nothing significant happens in that book. Um,
0: (laughs) Come on, you got to tell them at home.
1: All right, yes, that is, of course, the insert. It it features the free insert of the new Teen Titans. Very first appearance appearance of of the new Teen Titans. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny what you just mentioned about kind of getting an older artist. I mean, having George Perez doing the Teen Titans is like the epitome of, like, 80s. Modern comics as they were at that time, you know. I mean, you probably couldn't have something more older looking than that Hourman feature. And then the very next issue, you've got you're ushering in the new Teen Titans, which was just going to completely upend DC Comics in terms of how they approach their comic books and stuff. So, um, yep. you know, yeah. So that's for, that's the the free feature, and that, that the team up in that issue is Superman and Green Lantern. Uh, the backup feature here, whatever happened to this time, it is Sargon the Sorcerer. Who, unlike our man, had a lot less appearances. So, this, I mean, he had still been in some things. So, this wasn't, again, you know, a digging somebody up that hadn't been around for 20 years.
0: Well, just to give you some frame of reference, just since you brought it up, this is cover date October 1980, hits the shelves July 7, 1980, by the way. But since 1972, Sargon had one appearance. So, he really hadn't been seen except for one time in eight years. Well,
1: okay. All right. Well, then then that qualifies. Then he totally qualifies for this. Uh, the writer is, again, Bob Rosakis. The art is by Jose Delbo and Kim DeMulder, who both have the uh, the honor of uh, having instructed me at the Cubert School. Lucky them. The letter- I, Wow. The letter- <laughs> they, they, they must feel so special. <laughs> I'm sure they do. They both gave me bad grades occasionally. Ben Oda is the (laughs) letterer. (laughs) Jerry Serpe is the colorist. Julia Schwartz is the editor, of course. Uh, This story opens in a museum where on display is the Ruby of Life, which is the thing that Sargon used to gain his powers. And the guy who's giving the tour is explaining to all the people there that uh, you know this this is what gave this guy his powers. And right by the Ruby of Life, they have a giant picture of Sargon. So this is like a pretty fun museum. They actually have like, you know, superheroes displayed up on the wall. Uh, pe- right. People ask, in a little bit of um, doing some exposition here, the guy tries to touch the ruby, he can't because it's been powered to repel anybody's touch, so it's completely theft proof. A woman asks, I thought Sargon was a bad guy, and they explain that occasionally he had been a bad guy. And then we have some flashbacks, rounded corners, where we see uh, Sargon interacting with the Flash, Sargon inter- interacting with the Justice League, and then Sargon interacting with Wonder Woman. Now, uh, the guy talks about how uh, after he stopped being a bad guy, Sargon retired. And then the fact that there are other rubies, not just the one. One is in possession of the Justice League, and then off in the corner we see that Sargon is there. Sargon Whee! is there, yes, and he is listening to all this go on. And he talks about um, all the rubies are out of reach to all, including myself. Just as one, just as the one Wonder Woman destroyed is now is unattainable, unattainable. This one, ha- this one remains accessible, and so see? I. W-
0: not so not so easy to read, is it? I know I am mean,
1: tired too, and so I wonder what happened to the recently. I so I wonder after what's been happening recently whether I have truly retired. And he's talking about how all of a sudden there were mysterious robberies going on. The gold disappeared out of the Federal Reserve. A bunch of paintings have disappeared out of uh, of a museum, and they sound very much like the kind of crimes that he would have committed back when Sargon was a bad guy. So after at the night falls, the museum is empty. He's there with the uh, the ruby, and all of a sudden, he is punched off camera by someone. We don't know who. He wakes up in his bedroom. I love that in his bedroom, uh, there's a giant S on his headboard. Like I didn't even see that's that. That's awesome. I love that he customizes his stuff. Then he realizes he wakes up and he's at home. We see that he, has, he keeps newspaper clippings about his adventures, and there's one it says, Sargon Foils Blue Llama, Sargon H Justice League, and City Honors Sargon. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I love that. That must be USA Today or something. Laying on the floor <laughs> laying on the floor is a bunch of money. And he's like, what the heck is going on here? Why is there all this money? So he turns on the TV set and he sees that there was a robbery at the Federal Savings Bank. The uh, vault door had been turned into butter. <laughs> and over $350,000 in cash is missing. So Sargon realized, has he become evil again? and he he robbed this bank in the middle of the night he doesn't remember it but then he looks at the money and something something uh something something fishy is there about the money so we're going to get into that in a minute we go back to the museum uh he grabs the ruby but just as he touches it it explodes and that is the work of the mattermaster the incredibly goofily attired mattermaster he is there to grab the ruby he picks it up and all of a sudden Someone from off-camera yells, hands off that ruby. He turns around, and it's Sargon, which doesn't make any sense because the Sargon, Sargon is also laying on the floor unconscious. So how is that possible? Well, it turns out that Sargon used his powers to turn the Sargon in the painting into a live person. So the whole thing was a decoy. So as the painting Sargon goes back into his painting, uh, Mattermaster and Sargon battle. Mattermaster has a um, suit of armor come alive and attack him. Sargon Dismisses it with his powers. Then Mattermaster has uh, Sargon's own turban attack him. (laughs) Really kind of cheesy. He undoes that. They fight each other. He punches him. He punches Mattermaster. Knocks him out. I love this bit where Mattermaster says, I'll make you tell me what I did wrong. And Sargon says, so you won't make the same mistake twice? Sorry, but I'm not that accommodating. He knocks the Mattermaster out. And what with a, with a punch with, with a punch, and in a thought balloon, we realized that Sargon figured out looking at the money that it was not uh, himself that was stealing the money in the middle of the night, it had to be somebody else because all the money had the same serial number, which uh-huh. indicated that it was one bill replicated the 25 times as opposed to 25 different bills. So that's what reali- made him realize that he was, in fact, not. Uh, going, turning rogue in the middle of the night and stealing money. So at the end, he says, Forly the Mattermaster did know I retained some magic powers without the ruby, and despite all appearances, it has never been out of its display case. And that's the end of the story as he carts off Mattermaster over his shoulder in a very humiliating style. (laughs)
0: So that is
1: the end of this segment.
0: It's not any more humiliating than that costume. Matter Masters already wear.
1: No, that's true. The the dignity level is already very low for Matter so What the yes. hell? Yes. So uh, anyway, this story is fun. Much like the Hourman one, they cram[s] a lot in here. I mean, there's a lot of plot going on. Uh, it's 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 fun. The the one bit um, that frustrates me is. I have never been a big fan of Jose doble's work. It had nothing to do with the fact that it gave me bad grade many years ago. I still haven't really gotten over it obviously but uh on page five when it says a touch of the t v set and and we see Sargon and they draw Sargon literally turning on the television with his finger like he's pressing the button okay. that he should have used his magic powers to turn it on like he should have like know. waved his hand and it just turns on automatically. He's a magician for God's sake. I just felt like you know not as much thought was put into. Into this Although I will say I do As I said I enjoy Sargon's bed Having an S on it Now he has two beds Uh, I'm sorry No he doesn't He has one And it is the footboard Both the footboard And the headboard Have S's on them Which I really enjoy
0: Now to be fair His magical powers Are diminished Without his ruby That's true So maybe he doesn't Have the turning on The the TV spell
1: Maybe he doesn't (laughs) That is true Uh, But I mean Rosakis gives us A nice nice history Of the character He said We see all the flashbacks Where he's the bad guy Then he's the good guy uh, so that's all. I'm disappointed that Aquaman didn't get a, an appearance in the cameo with the JLA. They just didn't draw Aquaman, but what can you do? Uh,
0: oh, well, so they got who? They got see Batman, virtually everybody else. Yeah, Adam, Flash, Hawkman. Well, Wonder Woman didn't make. It. Oh no, never mind. she's the panel before.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, pretty much everybody. everybody. Now Aquaman wasn't in on that case. That's from Justice League number ninety six. So maybe okay. he. Maybe they even did the research and like only drew the the characters that were in on that adventure, which would have been actually kind of. Probably more effort than I would have even expected, really, to be honest right. with you. But uh, no, it's good. It, I like the the angle with the um the serial numbers. It feels like very Encyclopedia Brown. So it, it's you know, I said it's it's a fun little fun little bit.
0: Well, he, yeah, I got to say I'm impressed with the flashback part of it, simply because he you know in an eight page story he loses a whole half page to just getting you up to speed on this crazy right. you know issue where he's you know good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy, all that stuff. So that's pretty impressive that he's able to do that. And Matter... What is it? Matter Master? Matter Master. Matter Master. Ma- he is such a, a chump. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, he is. He is the most ridiculous villain. He's got insane amounts of power. And yet he can't do anything but, you know, make somebody's own turban attack him. <laughs> it's just... Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Even Slipknot is like, dude. Really? You know? And then that costume's really bad, too. Yeah. So, now now is Sargon... I guess Sargon's Earth-1. Is that right? Or Well, this is
1: one of your favorite things. He likes to hop. From Planet From Earth to Earth,
0: because
1: okay. uh, he was he was a Golden Age character. He first appeared in the '40s, and uh, I think he, he I think he might even I should know this because we went over the Who's Who listing. I think his first appearance is in Sensation Comics number one, which oh, is wow. Wonder Woman's second appearance. So I mean he he's a he's a longtime guy. Uh, but then later on in other stories, he appeared on Earth one, and of course the DC writers felt the need to say. Well, he traveled to Earth One. He traveled back to Earth Two, and Earth. he's a magician. He can do it. What's the difference?
0: All right. You know? well, I couldn't remember where Matter Master was, but I guess he's Earth One uh, as yeah. well. When yeah. I think about it. So. so overall, fun issue. You know, fun, fun little story. I enjoyed it. It uh, these these are real joy. I mean, just seeing you know the one more adventure of a character you haven't seen in a long time is a really neat idea. So and Sargon's a guy I'd, I'd seen in the action very few times. Now he appeared right after this in the classic.
1: Black Canary Origin in JLA number two, two, oh.
0: 219
1: nineteen, two twenty, And he's the one where he, he actually flirts with Power Girl because he says to her, if I was just a trifle younger, I would go for you, basically. which
0: Who yeah. doesn't Who flirt? D-
1: yeah, them. I mean, really. I mean, that's kind of silly. First but, yeah. term and her
0: were almost going steady at one point. That's
1: right. So. But yeah, so he – and that's only um, a year – that's only about two years after this. So I mean, he, you know, the, after you mentioned he hadn't appeared for eight years, and after this he appears kind of frequently because then uh, Alan Moore used him in Swamp Thing. So this was kind of his return engagement, and then he got sort of started being used again fairly yeah. fairly regularly. And he appeared in Crisis and stuff. So,
0: so all star some some all star squadrons, some Crisis, yeah. some JSA, yeah. JLAs, and then uh, whoop, there goes Swamp Thing. Yeah. So th- so then he would just kind of show up in like all, young All Stars because they could right. still use him because he wasn't dead yet. Yeah, I mean, you
1: see how this, this feature, this whatever happens to, kind of serves, as we'll go along when we do more segments, I mean, we realize some of the characters kind of get just dispatched, they use this story to, to get rid of some of them in a sort of more permanent way, but it, here, it's clearly like using it as a springboard for potential future writers, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, hey, everybody, remember this guy, well, you can use him, here he is, this is what he's doing, and other writers did. So it kind of served a dual purpose of sort of reminding other writers, hey, we have this guy that's just sitting around that you could use.
0: Well, it's also probably good for copyright purposes that's and it. also um you know, in this case with Sargon, they kind of needed to redeem him. Because right. his last appearance in Wonder Woman it looks like had been a bad new, you know, bad news there. So and I get the feeling like almost People weren't paying attention to whether he was a good guy or bad guy because, you know, bad guy in Flash, good guy in JLA, bad guy in Wonder Woman. It's like, yeah. You know, and then Bob comes in and goes, you know what? I'm going to answer this. I'm going to take care of this. He laid it down. Exactly. Exactly. So up next it says Congorilla.
1: Woo.
0: That should be be fun.
1: (laughs) I think we should skip
0: all our who's who's and just get to that. Maybe so, right. Well, this is going to be sort of an infrequent segment, folks. We will come back from time to time. It's sort of like, you know, we're going to do a few more Bob Haney showcases. You know, we're going to do a few more of the, uh, the backup feature stuff. It's just going to be a kind of a segment we do when we, we've got a wild hair and feel like doing something fun. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show, remember, there is a DC Comics Presents podcast uh, done by Russell Bragg. Along those lines, also, there have been a tremendous, I don't know if you've noticed this, Rob, there's been a tremendous amount of podcasts and blogs and really cool initiatives started by people that listen to this show. Um, I've been blown away. I can't keep up with them. You know, I, I mentioned before, Aaron Morris, uh, Aaron Moss has started a podcast about the Suicide Squad. Did, did you know Diablo Frank has a podcast now? I did not. Yeah, well, iTunes won't allow it, apparently, because it's not on iTunes yet. I think they said, no thank you, uh, when they heard it was from him. I'm just That's kidding. they just they're a good working, idea. They're working on getting it up there. but um, So, there's, and there's a bunch of blogs that have launched. I'd like to think I, I'll take credit from the most recent Who's Who episode causing all of you guys to do that. But what, here's what I'm going to ask of you all at home. Do me a favor. Shoot us either an email, uh, which is – what's our email address, Rob? Firewaterpodcast at net. Yep. Or um, actually, you know what? That's probably the safest way to do this because otherwise it's going to get lost if we do a bunch of places. Let's do it there. Shoot us an email and tell us what your blog, website – podcast, whatever it is that you've got going on related to superheroes, and in an upcoming episodes, we'll pimp it on the show. We've done this before. It's been probably a year, maybe less, since we did it last, but if you've got something related to superheroes and you're doing it, whether it's new or old, even if it's Luke Giaconetti and is being Cardi Hall or, you know, Earth's uh, Destruction Directive, which has been, both of those are great and been going on for a while, it's time for us to pimp it again. So if you've got either a new or existing one, shoot us the name of it, give us the site, tell us what it's about. And in an upcoming episode, we will go through and we will share the whole uh, Matchhead, you know, uh, Aquanaut, nuclear sub-communities, places to find each other. Because there's so much worthwhile stuff out, th- out there. And honestly, I'm having a hard time keeping up with it. And even if you sent it to me recently, please send it to this to that address again, just so we uh, don't lose track of it. I want to give everyone a shout-out. Yep. So, all right. Well, uh, we've mentioned it before, folks. This is episode 96. Nine- What's that? Ninety six. Ninety six. Look at that. We are screaming towards one hundred. We've got something very special planned, and uh, I think it's re- i think it's a lot of fun. So it it's is really a lot cool. of fun. Yeah. So be sure to be sure to keep hanging in there, folks. It's all, it's, it's almost <laughs> the other
1: episodes will be fun too. We don't want you to skip over 97, 98, and ninety nine. Those will be good too.
0: They're gonna suck. Excuse wow. me. Oh, oh Wow. Well, the ones I'm not on. So anyway, bum bum. You could have laughed. You know, you can pretend to laugh.
1: I'm editing all this out, so if I laugh, it won't make any sense.
0: I hate you so much. Ah. You know, one <laughs> afternoon together, and I'm done. I'm calling it quits. You that know,
1: was... I have to say, that afternoon was, you guys ever seen the, you know, the trailer just leaked for Fifty Shades of Grey? It was
0: like that, but more erotic. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just threw up a little in my mouth. All right, folks. With that, this uh, we may not make it to 100. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Fire and Water podcast. Um, support Firestorm and Aquaman. What was that? Email address again where they can send stuff.
1: Firewaterpodcast at congifts.net and the Tumblr is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com.
0: All right. You can find Rob at the Aquaman Shrine.net. I'm sorry, not the. You can find Rob at www.aquamanshrine.net. Uh, you can find him on Facebook and Twitter. And Google Plus. Supposedly. Rumor has it. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. You can, uh, you can also find me under that same handle on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, Instagram, and Tumblr. And. Um, What else?
1: That's it, man. You're stalling. Let's wrap it up.
0: Well, all right. That's it. Nothing wrong with a
1: 30-minute episode.
0: (laughs) All right, folks. Thanks for listening. And uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm. Friends forever. Yeah! Lost civilizations, extraterrestrials, myths and monsters, missing persons, magic and witchcraft, unexplained phenomena. In search of cameras are traveling the world, seeking out these great mysteries. This program was the result of the work of scientists, researchers, and a group of highly skilled technicians.